What's up and welcome to another episode of the Scott and Ian show on the SBL podcast. What is this? Scott disappoints at a gig. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this story. It's wild. You know, Scott put out this record, this fusion jazz monster record. And we have this discussion um, around, are there expectations now? God, I want to talk a lot about it, but you're going to listen to the episode. So really, really cool, um, really cool discussion about what it means to have a voice, right? The pros, the cons. Also, you guys, new SBL HQ? Uh, I can't say anymore. You're going to have to listen. Also, we talk about clinics versus masterclasses. What's the difference? I just was out in Seattle doing one of the two of those things. I'm not exactly sure which one it was, um, but you might see some clinics. You might see masterclasses. You might wonder what's what. We get into it. Also, why your preparation is everything. It is absolutely everything. We talk about some of the big, big monsters out there doing the biggest gigs like Amos Heller, case in point for Taylor Swift, his preparation process, which he detailed in his episode, but we break it down on this one as well. So I can't wait. Hey, check it out this week at SBL. There is a brand new course, Maximizing Fluidity and Technique Double Bass Artistry Part 1 with Larry Grenadier. It is out now in the academy. You want to play the upright bass? You maybe need to dust off that upright bass. I'm just talking to myself. Check out this course from Larry. It is in the academy right now. Also, we have the weekly SBL Mentors live stream session today, Monday, November 27th, Ariane Cap. And you guys, last week, I said, this is escalate your scales. It's like E scale eight, your scales game. And like last week, it kills me. Last week, I was like, escalate? No, it's escalate, Ian. Escalate your scales game. Dude, am I super pissed that I didn't get it the first time? Yes. Am I going to go back and re-record it? I'm not. You know why? Because I keep it real for you guys. But Ari is doing this fun scale game, Escalate Your Scale Game. I hate that I got it wrong the last time, but I think I got it this time. Also, next week, Monday, December 4th, it's me, A to Z of the greatest bass lines ever. I think we might do N, part two. I haven't decided. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, J, K, L, M, N, O, I actually had to do that. I didn't know what came after N in the alphabet. It's embarrassing, but it's just true. Uh, maybe we'll move to O, some Osric tentacles, some Oasis. No, probably neither of those two bands, but we might move on to O. I might do N part two. You guys, I love doing the A to Z of greatest baselines. Come check me out. Hang out. We have a great time. I show you something from a classic band that starts with the letter of the alphabet that we're on. So it's either going to be N or O. Hey, also, I have down here Jack wrote for me that a little bird told me we're having a fun competition in the campus starting this week. Go there to check it out. That's all I got. I don't have any more information for you than that. So, hey, that's enough of me. Let's get into this episode. We might have a new studio. Like it is it? We put it in. Did offer. it get accepted? Yeah, it, the offer's been accepted. Yeah, holy shit! Yeah, the offer was accepted. So, <gasps> Whoa. yeah, wow. Know, yeah. So, so 
Do we do we have a new do we studio? Ce- do we celebrate? Oh, <laughs> uh, dude, it's like really complex. Like, obviously, we we put in the office. So, for anybody listening, we have been based out of the same studio for pretty much well over ten years now. It's a great studio. It's not in a great area, um, but it's it is what it is, and it's really functional. It's quite small, actually. You know, when when I walked into it, I can remember getting it and thinking, "Wow, this is." This is a lot of space. Well, when you filled it full of crap and cameras and bases yeah. and it actually, yes. it's, you know, it's probably, we could use a space that was a little smaller, but it, you know, we would struggle. This space, the new space, because, well, just to sort of like backtrack a little bit, we've been, you know, or at least I've been thinking about maybe we should move, you know, and all of that. And I know that shout out to Alan as well. I work with every week. He's part of the SBL team. He's not very inspired either by this little room that we've got currently. And the internet access there is just absolutely atrocious as well. So, yeah, it's so bad, isn't it? And there's other bands that show up and like it, it starts to oh, rehearse kind of oh, early shit, evening. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, I guess filming is over. <laughs> yeah, that happens as well. It's so like practice spaces, some of it, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's sort of like it's been on the cards moving a while. We saw this cool place. I went to see it. It's really cool. It's about upstairs is about four times as big as what we've got right now. Downstairs is the same. So it's eight times as big as what we've got now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we put in a, a cheeky offer and it got accepted. So it's accepted. So now to answer you, Ian, we need to, oh, you know. Oh, yeah. Put in, the, yeah. The work begins. Oh, the work begins. You know, I need to get a surveyor in. I need to contact like the uh, solicitors and I need to like financial advisors and all of that stuff. So oh. that's all happening now and it's grimy and horrible. And we might not even end up with a place, which is the worst thing. You know, I might need to go through oh. this, walk over the hot coals and it might, you know, Fall not through. turn it. Exactly. But all that super exciting. And I think it's going to be really. For next year, you know, we've been talking about planning all of these courses. I guess we could talk about that, that just for just a, you know, five minutes on that or less. We've got an incredible amount of artists that we've already created courses with inside SBL, like just the giants, right? Gary Willis, yes. John Patitucci, Rich Brown, Michael Manring. Uh, and you know, all of these amazing idols of mine who I've been looking up to since I played, ba- you know, began playing bass. Sean Hurley is another one that jumps to mind. John Mar- Jonathan Marin, you know, all of these great, great players. And we've also got a bunch of courses already recorded in the can. But what's happened is, at least in, you know, from my perspective is there's all of these amazing players, upcoming players coming through that, you know, people listen to this podcast will be inspired by. Um, and we haven't done anything with them, you know, right. so, and, and I think that our focus, um, or one of the big focuses next year is going to be reaching out to a lot of the upcoming artists that are out there that I'm really excited and we're really excited to work with and getting them to create courses for SBL, really ramping up the production of our, uh, of, of our cadence of releasing courses and recording courses. And yeah, so it's kind of exciting because we will be able to utilize the new space that we've got in the UK to do that. 
but also we're going to be recording them. We've already talked about this, Ian, haven't we? Uh, recording them out of Minneapolis as well, flying yeah. them, flying them to Ian's doorstep and <laughs> dropping them off. <laughs> Go, guys! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Create yeah. magic. Yeah, right. but it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be. Uh, yeah, it's going to be really fun next year. Really looking forward to it. So, if you have. Um, if there are any up and coming players or people that you think that we really, really need to work with and would love to see on the SBL platform within the membership, please, if you are on YouTube, please, please, please let us know in the comments. What, who are we missing out on? Who would you love to see on the platform who we haven't got on already? Uh, what genres? have you seen uh, out there that we haven't really well uh, represented on the platform? One that jumps out to me, an obvious one is gospel. So I'm like, okay, we really want to identify who are the sort of like three to five top gospel players in the space. And we want to create courses with them on SBL and looking at, you know, yeah, I'm just really excited about it. Oh, look at that Voran Saku behind you. I love the headstock on that thing. Oh yeah, man. so nice, isn't it? (laughs) I do too. I love I love that base. Oh, where is it? I think it's on the other side. It's oh, it's just right behind ah. you. It's right oh, yeah, behind yeah, yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> it's this yeah. yeah. Yeah, it looks yeah. killer. I love this base too. I love this so base nice. too. And I mean the one the one I've got on my lap is even is another one. You know, this this guy right here. And I can't see your video anymore, but maybe, I don't know if you can see this. I can but, see it, uh, dude. I can see it. Yeah, crack on. Yeah. The uh the, what, the Mike what, what Law IMA four. Is batch it two. No, it's it's uh, it's called aged. Well, we called it fire mist charcoal. So actually, like when light is on it, it looks sort of like a sage, like a super dark sage green. But nice. when light isn't directly on it, it looks black. So it's kind of like yeah. the idea was to do a black that had this hint of green in it in the light to kind of emulate that thing of like when uh, charcoal frost, which is the classic Fender color, classic yeah. 60s Fender color would green out over the years. You know, they would do a nitro finish on yeah. it and then yeah. it would sort of get aged and green. That was the idea to do with this base. Um, and I freaking love it. I picked it up. I was just in Seattle. I picked well, it dude, up. I, I, wanna hear, I, I do want to hear about your, uh, your experience over there because you were doing a clinic, right? And you haven't yeah. done that many clinics, have you? No. And, and I mean, I, you know, I've done some kind of like seminar stuff for SBL. I have done some clinics. I've done probably as many social media talks as I've done base clinics. And I love it. I absolutely What's a social media talk? love it. What's a social media talk? Where I just talk about um, Instagram and about how I feel like social doesn't have to be this negative horror. Oh, like how so to many grow, people... grow a, uh, an audience. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and not even so much about like necessarily growth, but about mindset around like, what if you want to engage in it how should you engage in it to keep your mental sanity to keep your mental health and to potentially yeah i suppose grow something but it but it isn't about like here are the steps to grow your instagram it's more around here's what will help you do this long term and engage in building a meaningful audience and community over the long haul um and yeah. Yeah, and, and I love doing that. I love it's making like a lens, talks. right? Look through this lens. This exactly is a new right. lens for you to look through and give you a different perspective on social media at large. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do That's that, and man. and then I've done. I've actually done a decent number of base clinics, seminars. I've done some at churches when I was involved in that scene, um, and I've done a few. Um, 
just in stores or, yeah. you know, in shops. And I went out to Mike Lull and we celebrated the second batch of the IMA four that came out that ripped that, you know, sold out in two and a half minutes, Bonkers. which is bananas. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I picked this bass up. It was so fun. They presented it to me as you would say, Scott, <gasps> and, it's, and it's, it's incredible. I love it. Uh, it sounds huge. It just has a giant big rock and roll sound. And I love it. It is a rock and roll sound. That is, it is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got a little bit of, I've got a little bit of amp emulation on it now. Cause I thought we were going to be setting up for John button, you know? So it's, so it's pretty rocking at the moment, <laughs> love but it, love it. yeah, man, um, I went out and talked about, um, how did, yeah, how did you prep for it? Just, I, I'm asking selfishly because I haven't done that many, um, clinics. I've done maybe a handful and I always, I guess mine have been a real mixed bag. Some of them have just talked like people have wanted me to talk. Yeah. There was at one point I had to talk for like 30 minutes and open for Marcus Miller. I can't even remember what I had to talk about, but I can remember just thinking, oh shit, I need wow. to talk for what 30 minutes. What did you talk minutes. about? What I, did you li- talk literally about? have no clue. I've no, I can't remember. <laughs> it was when I was just starting out online. I cannot remember. Maybe it was online stuff. Maybe it was, it was, definitely wasn't playing. I don't think I can't remember playing anything. So I have no clue, but I can remember thinking, oh shit, I need to talk for 30 minutes mm. or whatever it was. And that was pretty nerve wracking. And then, I've done some other stuff. I always, the last one I did was at the London Bass Show where, oh, actually I have done a few clinics there. And what I did is I, I cheated. I got a live band and I talked about oh, how, great. yeah, I, I got a live band in and we talked about how we can communicate as musicians. Yeah. And even though we've never met before, we can play together through, and we, you know, we basically got into kind of like stagecraft or, you know, in terms of how to communicate effectively on stage when you've never played with musicians before, pieces you don't know, all of that. That's what we've talked about. But you didn't, you turned up with a bass and you played, like, what did you do? Did you play along with backing tracks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what was the vibe? Well, first of all, I need to tell you that the thing that you did is not cheating. In fact, that is more difficult. Organizing a group of musicians to talk about like ensemble playing. I mean, that's incredibly valuable and cool. So you're, you're too humble, Scott Devine. That's, oh, that sounds <laughs> incredible. Uh, I mean, yeah, for me, uh, so I've done this before, um, with a couple different environments. I, I, I used to do this thing of like all the things that I think are important about playing music and it was too big. Right. And sometimes I would do that with a drummer and we would talk about groove and we would talk about ensemble playing. We would demonstrate things together. We would play along to tracks, but when I have to do it myself, um, what I've been doing lately is I've been centering it around the artists that I play with, which are four. There's four, um, like original artists that I play for off and on. There's Dessa. It's like a hip hop, um, pop music, yeah. Uh, uh, singer songwriter. Then there's Jeremy Messersmith, who sounds like a combination of like Sergeant Peppers and the Beach Boys. Very different vibe. Flats on a, you know, hollow body. There's the Orange Goodness, which is a trio, a rock funk trio. And then there's Eric Hutchinson, who I've been in his band for about 10 years, musical director. And that's pop, soul, funk, R&B. And so it's a wide variety of things. So what I end up doing is playing along to tracks from each one of those artists to show sort of this like width or breadth of the things that I do and then talk about the threads that connect that, right? So for me, it's like playing 
super intentionally playing in time, getting a great sound with your hands, but then past that, to me, it's all about sound. I feel like I don't get hired ever really to play um, fills or a lot of notes or solos necessarily, even though I do some of that in Hutchinson's yeah. band, uh, but I get hired to kind of create uh, scenery. <laughs> I get Got it. to, yeah, to yeah, create yeah. a yeah. mood with sounds. I mean, especially with Dessa, especially with the orange goodness, I'm playing synth sounds or grindy things or things that really have a, a very intense sonic importance to them yeah. more than necessarily note or line importance. Yeah. So, you know, um, I talk about that and I, I talk about how that isn't necessarily everybody's gig, but that it has really become mine. And then also the other thing I do is I really make a push for people to play by themselves and un uncover maybe what a solo voice looks like for them. Not a solo, you know, playing bass solos, but playing yeah. by yourself, how you can take a bass note, a melody note, like the great Bill Frizzell, and maybe start to write songs, compose with this. Because I think, you know, people talk about this instrument as a um, an ensemble instrument. And it is, of course, at its core. But it's also gorgeous. It can be a gorgeous solo instrument. Yeah, so I always yeah. either start or end with, you know, you know, Scott, like, uh, I always like start or end a clinic with this kind of thing, you know. You know, and just improvise. Yeah, yeah, yeah And take yeah. take a take a bass note and play a theme. You know, or whatever it is, and just something that kind Love of comes it, to me, right? Yeah. As uh, and then I get a lot of questions about the HX stomp. That's essentially what happens. <laughs> <laughs> do you, yeah. Like, how much do you like? Do you how 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 much have you structured it so you've got your four tunes you're going to play? Do yeah. You, do you know the threads? The reason why I'm asking is like there'll be people out there listening to this, and they will be asked in the future to you know do a clinic or whatever. And I think, or even I think it's just you know, in terms of just doing gigs as well, preparation is a yes. is an important subject. But for you specifically, do you have? like mapped out to a certain extent, what's going to fill the gaps between the performances? Not really. I will say this. Um, I mean, I think about it a lot in my head and I definitely, the prep that I do for clinics is really having the music together. So I, and I make even custom bounces of the music. So I'm not playing f a four minute song. I may be cutting out verse two and going straight to the bridge, you know, so I kind of make these wow, like shortened so arrangements. Shorter, yeah. yeah. So that they're not, because honestly sitting in a clinic and listening to a four and a half minute song is kind of brutal. It's kind of arduous. Got I it. feel yeah. it even when I'm playing a four and a half minute song with a track like I want it to be a minute 45, 230 tops. So I kind of make these custom that really get to the point of what I'm trying yeah, to play yeah. and what I'm trying to say. Um, and then I encourage people also what a big part of it for me is Q and a, um, and I love Q and a, I love, I actually love the surprise of Q and a. I find that that's probably the most, 
useful section of it. So I say, hey, I'll answer any of your questions at the end. But as we go, if you hear anything where you're like, whoa, you know, I need to ask a question about that, just raise your hand. And like, this can be a dialogue. It doesn't need to be a presentation and then Q&A at the end. Got it. So, you know, what happens is I'll play something and people will be nice and clap and then someone will raise their hand. And then they'll say, what is the, what's that sound that you're, or why did you use that? You know, and then it stimulates sort of a larger discussion, but I definitely don't map out bullets, uh, in terms of like what I'm going to say. Uh, I have a, a, a real good concept of kind of what I do, uh, in my kind of sideman role. And I, yeah. you know, talk about a little bit who I am and talk about that at first and then play some music. And that usually kicks off a bunch of questions. Got it. Okay. Um, And you know, so yeah, but what about, do you have like when you've done it, have you mapped out those in-betweens between tunes or have you? No, I think I've just taken questions and and tried to thread it together myself. I have had like performances, you know, kind of organized that I'll play or organized, you know, prepared. <laughs> yeah. I've like sure. prepared, you know, sort of like, you know, tracks. I'm going to play along with the, the tracks and stuff like that, but nothing um, like really rigid. It's interesting. It's not, I'm definitely not in my comfort zone when I do that. Like mm. stick me on a camera, you know, doing a lesson or doing a live stream and like all of that. And I, I could, well, I've been doing it for over 10 years. I can do it in my sleep. I'm just like, you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I'm sort of like, just stick me on. But, but with live stuff like that, I'm just less experienced with it. I've just done it less. Yeah. So I think that it's definitely not my, uh, I'm not really, I'm not uncomfortable, but it's, I'm always a little bit nervous, you know, I'm like, oh, God, you know, I hope oh, it goes sure. all right, you know, all of that. Um, so it's definitely something I want to do more of. In fact, when we were just to take it back to the space that we're, we're hopefully buying for SBL, um, it would absolutely be big enough to, to run a, a workshop with, let's say, sort of like 25, 30 people in it, like bass so players. Cool. And I think maybe doing that once a year will be wild. Oh, like be just, so fun. Yeah. Me, you, and like yeah. a special guest, you yes. know. Yeah, like doing oh, sort of 100%. like three days or four days of workshops every day, everybody getting breakfast together, everybody in lunch together, oh. going to, you know, see gigs in the evening together, maybe putting on a gig, you know, like I think that that will be wild. Again, if you're if you're watching on YouTube, let me know if that is something that you'll be um, into coming along to. Again, maybe just like running one or two a year could be really, really fun. And that oh, space, so we could fun. do it in that space. We could absolutely do it in the space. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, you know, I would love, I would love to, to do like a clinic with you where we're doing yeah. something together, where we're talking about the, the similarities we have, the differences we have, the, you know, or maybe I'm even facilitating, like, I'm like, man, when you play this thing, like I'm facilitating something for you and vice versa, I think. Because when you say that you feel uncomfortable in that environment, it's hard for me to imagine actually, because I think you're such a, just such like a natural fluent presenter that I feel like all it would take for you to feel really confident is just a couple more reps. And then I feel like you'd be like, let me add it. Let me add it, baby. Yeah. You know, I think it does. I did my brother's, I'll tell you about my, uh, My my recent presentation (laughs) was at my brother's wedding, and that was freaking. Oh, I was best man at my brother's wedding, and that was awesome. Did you prepare the speech? Holy shit, dude! I unleashed 
<laughs> like a minigun. <laughs> a minigun of embarrassment on my brother. I just rained it down. And it was so cool. I was actually quite nervous about it, but I prepped. I got this whole speech together. It was awesome. And the guy um, who was... You know, there's like a compare there taking, you know, taking care of everybody at the actual venue was beautiful as well. Um, it was at this place called Beamish Hall up in the northeast of England, near mm-hmm. um, near where your folks come from. Anyway, oh, yeah. so... Near Durham. Yeah, near Durham. Yeah, just outside yeah. of Durham. And, uh, and the guy was like, he came over to me and he must be used to, I don't know, like dealing with best men who were like really nervous and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. I just said, let me just stop you there. He was like, give me this speech, like this talk about, hey, there's nothing to be nervous about. I was like, dude, give me the mic. I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, yeah, oh, it was awesome. Great. And, yeah. And my brother's, my brother and the, the, my brother and the father of the bride. Somebody's, is somebody outside? Somebody's knocking at your door. Hold on. Somebody's knocking at the door. I'll be back in two seconds. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. Like, as Scott goes and answers the door, right, there's there's ways, there's different things that you have to prepare for in your life, right? It's not just a gig. It might be a job interview. It might be doing a, you know, a best man speech, which I've had to do one time as well. It was so nerve-wracking. But um, it'll be cool. Like, I feel like after we talk about this, we'll bring it to base. We'll bring it to talk about, like, preparing for a gig and how I do it, maybe Scott and other people as well, um, like Amos, uh, how he prepares for a gig. So we'll we'll get there as well. I was just I was just filling in the people where we're going. But oh, cheers, dude. I actually thought that was a base. <gasps> but it wasn't. It was but just it Alan. <laughs> oh, what a disappointment. It was Alan's job. We're just preparing. If you hear some knocking in the background, it's Alan. We were preparing for an interview we're doing with John Button. John Button's yeah. a beautiful bass player, plays with The Who and yeah. um, Roger Daltrey, a really fantastic guy. Anyway, so if you hear knocking around in the background, it's just Alan setting up some stuff. But yeah, what I was saying is like, my uh the the father of the bride he did his speech and then my brother did his speech and like disaster hit both of their speeches so it just made it even oh yeah like the father of the bride he just got caught at he had a few too many beers i think and just got caught out got up and the fear grabbed him so he his speech little little you know could have been better and then my brother's (laughs) my brother my brother's speech this was awesome he pulled his phone out. He had his speech on his phone. He's sitting <laughs> next it. to me. He put his phone on. And then, you know, you just get that little spinny wheel and his phone just goes dead. He looks You're at cute. me. No, he looks at me and he says, my phone has just gone dead. And he had my speech on it. And I was like, well, break a leg. <laughs> so all that to say that it oh just made my, my speech uh, out, outrageously. It, it, it set it up in a way where I could have delivered a dog turd and it was, it would have still been great. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it was, uh, but it was awesome. I really, re- I was really looking forward to it and it was, uh, it was awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. But yeah. you prepared for that. Like you had, I did prepare. Did, did you have sort of like, um, uh, you know, like markers along the way. Like you need to hit this. You need to tell this story. You need to like, how yes. did you organize it in your I mind or on I paper? I scripted the entire thing, scripted wow. the entire thing. Yes. Yeah. Scripted the entire thing, read it to Lisa, read it to the kids multiple times, rehearsed Whoa. it multiple times in the, mm. uh, in the hotel room. So it was, so I was ready to roll. Cause I needed to get, there was a bunch of, you know, there's a bunch of jokes in there. Um, like, like you guys probably don't know, but my brother, he broke his neck um, like 12 years ago now. And obviously very, you know, big shock to the family and all of that. But it's just, 
you know, now 12, 12 years like uh, past, you know, it's, it's, it's full of jokes now, you know, it's great mm. joke potential for, for wedding, for wedding speeches. So I was telling this story of him just moving to Durham and I was like, what is he doing? You know, he'd been accident prone his entire life. He broke his neck. We're going to have to wrap him up in bubble wrap and send him around Durham so he doesn't go like hurtling down any of those huge hills. It was awesome. It was awesome. And it was really well, Amazing. it was uh, well taken as well. So oh, good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I was I was well prepped. I was well prepped. Yeah. Well, and I try I mean, and do that for gigs as well, to be honest. I yeah. try and prep as much as possible. Like bringing it to the base, do you feel like, well, I guess, I mean, I'll say this for me. I think that preparation is a huge, depending on the gig, right? I mean, there's certain gigs that you can't really prep for if it's a fully improvised gig, for instance, or if it's a jam. I mean, there's some things you can do, but you're kind of like your life up to that point has been the preparation. But if you're playing somebody else's music as a side musician, which is the thing that I often do, um, the prep is huge. Yeah, the headline is over-prepare. Like the headline is over-prepare, if you're playing with musicians that you haven't played with before, they will be so used to people trying to freaking fly by the seat of the pants mm. and not doing a great job. So when you mm. turn up and you're like really well prepared and super cool, you're not like, you know, asking a million questions because you don't know, you've done the prep and you just ease in and make their life easier. It will make you so much more employable next time around. They're like, yes. oh, let's get John Smith because John he just preps the hell, you know, he got to the gig, he nailed it, you know, and I've been the employer as well. When we had a, a commercial band and we were going and doing sort of like, you know, commercial events and stuff like that, it was the guys that turned up on time and that were super prepped that really stood out and we rebooked over and over again. And of course it was, there was a few, I'm just, there's a few different individuals that sort of like jump into mind to me. I'm trying to, just, I haven't really, I guess, sort of like thought about this thoroughly for a long, long time, but there's a few guys that just, they kind of, they not only had obviously prepped the hell out of it, but it was in terms of them telling us about it, super low key. Mm. That, you know, that was, it was, you just could tell they just knew everything. There was this one specific drummer. He just turned up. He knew all, and he didn't turn up and was like super geeky and like getting out of his notes. And like, he was like really low key, super, like very kind of like confident, chilled, you know, and then just got on the best and then got on the gig and honestly nailed it better than the guy who actually, whose gig it was. (laughs) And I was like, Holy shit. That's yep. and, and it's huge. Proofs in the pudding. He now lives yep. in London. He's a really well respected musical director, works on a lot of the West End shows. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's and it was from that moment I was like, oh, of course. Because he was overly prepped and very calming to be around. You know, he's yes. just a calming calming individual. Oh, and that's what you want. Calm. You yeah. know, like on this, uh, you know, this clinic that I did too, someone asked me about preparation and we talked about, um, I had a, a thing where I showed up to an Eric Hutchinson gig early on, been playing with him for 10 years, but in the beginning I was a sub and I showed up super prepped. I do this thing, uh, for prepping for gigs, I do very differently actually than prepping for talks. Talks are a little more off of the top. They're a little more 
more like question reliant, but when I'm prepping for a gig, it is, I do this thing a lot called gig simulator where I literally put on the clothes that I'm going to wear. Oh, you do? Yeah. You've talked about that before. Yes. And I stand up and I put the pedal board on the floor and I arrange a mic if I'm going to be doing any BGVs, BVs, if you're in the UK. Yeah. Right. And I like, I run the gig. And my dear friend, Zach Miller, who now is playing the Eric Hutchinson gig, you know what he does? He plays the set alone by himself. He runs through the entire set without any other music, singing the music in his mind. What? Seriously? Yeah. Seriously. That's how he does it. And he murders. He's, he's, so then when he shows up to do it, everything is just done. There might be some tempo things. There might be some things we sort of change on the fly, but no, you know, he's not going, Oh my God, where do we go in the bridge? There's none of that. All that work is done. And there's a calm like you described. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it might sound crazy, but if there's a gig coming up for you that feels important, I mean, I would argue that every gig is important to a degree, but if there's a gig that you feel like, wow, this is a big deal and I want to do really well, put yourself in your mind on stage. You don't have to necessarily do the Zach Miller and play all the stuff without the music, but play the set, organize it in Spotify, run it down, stand up, you know, play, have your bass on a strap, you know, do the things, click the sounds that you're going to use, whatever you're going to do, make, wear that jacket that you're going to wear with the sleeve. That's going to mute your E string and realize, Oh, I should, because right. Like those are the things that you don't want plaguing you in the performance. Here's the deal, right? Your ex-girlfriend's going to show up oh that's going to take up some mental bandwidth oh there's going to be the the sound check is going to be have been terrible or non-existent and there's going to be weird nodes in the room where your g is going to explode and your d is going to feel like it isn't there there's all these things your in-ear mix is going to suck balls like all of the things will happen and if you're not prepared that stuff tanks you it absolutely yeah. tanks you. But if you are prepared, you will rise above all that stuff. Yeah. I think there's there's a serious amount of flexing. For me, like when somebody turns up and they're just like super prepped, mm-hmm. it's just like the best flex. It's and like, it's, oh, yes. yeah, it's the best, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and can I tell you this? Check this out. A little bit of shade. I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to tell you <laughs> what gig it was on or anything, but I have to tell you, there was a drummer that showed up who is a bit of a name. There's a drummer that showed up to a gig that I was playing a number of years ago. We're going to keep it all vague. And yeah. he was a bit of a name. You might know who he is, Scott. Everyone listening <laughs> might know who he is. And, um, super cool guy, great drummer, but hadn't prepared was probably at a level in his career that, you know, honestly, like subbing for this gig maybe wasn't super important to him and he just hadn't really prepared. And he was, you know, as, as my mother Beth would say, he, he was a living on cute, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, Living on cute. And he was in the corner nervously studying notes right before we went on, like looking at all the bridges. And and then I, I was also a sub. Like I was one of the, you know, like I wasn't super close in the band yet. And I was then leading him through the show and he never got called back again because it was, because it made everybody nervous. Right. Oh shit. If a drummer, the worst, the worst. 
The worst. The worst. There's nothing to kill a gig like a drummer that doesn't know the set. <laughs> oh, know. my yeah, word. That can't lead you into the bridge. That can't yeah, lead you into yeah. the retard ending. That you, Like, man, that's – it's so – so critical. So yeah, put yourself into that position. It reminds me of Amos Heller, who, you know, we did a, I uh, did an interview with him here on the pod. And if you haven't checked out that episode, go do it. Especially if you're interested in being a side musician, go listen to Amos talk about how he got the Taylor Swift gig, because it is fascinating. And he still, to this day, talks about when he's doing a gig, like he did the Florida Georgia Line gig for a while. He plays with other artists as well. Yeah. But he talks about when he's memorizing he only does two songs a day. So think about that. Now, you know, maybe he writes a chart, but he never uses charts live. I want to put a pin in that and come back to that. But he only has capacity for two songs a day to memorize. So think about that. If you're doing a, a set that's 20 tunes, 30 tunes, think about how many days that has to be. Wow. Right? Yeah. Like you have to, lot, yeah. that's what he does. That's what he did when he got to Nashville, two songs a day. And so then, however much time that is, that's how much time he gives himself to prepare. And he's only listening to that music. And guess what? That is how you get the greatest touring gig. Yeah. That's how you get on retainer for big money and get the best gig in the world, right? I mean, you know, for, you know, it, some people don't necessarily agree, right? But, but in terms of a touring side musician gig, the T Swift gig, not a bad gig. Ginormous, <laughs> ginormous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. outrageous. You know? yeah. yeah, the headline is prep. Prep, yeah. prep. prep is king. Hey, just keeping on the uh, keeping on the subject of gigs, I've got a uh, right to the top of the conversation. Uh, this conversation, I was like, oh, I've got this thing to tell you, and I was oh, like, yeah. it's pretty, it's pretty weird. Um, somebody, I, I did a gig uh, last week. Did a gig last week, and this is the. First time this has ever happened. Oh, I can't wait. So did a gig and somebody came up to me at the end of the gig. You know, you've had this, right? Somebody comes up to the gig and they're like, oh, I loved you playing, man. It's it's, a, it's cool. You know, you're like, oh, cheers. You never really know what to say. You know, cause it's a little, it's not, well, I find it a little embarrassing. I'm like, oh, <laughs> sure, oh thank right, you. Right. You know, all right. of that. This guy came up and told me he was disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? I'm serious. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Did he, he elaborate? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And it was so funny as well because guy comes over yes. and he's like, you know, oh, shakes my hand and stuff. Oh, you know, follow the podcast, listen to the podcast, just listen to the album and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, wicked man. And like, I'm expecting him to say, yeah, loved you playing tonight, man. And he was like, can I be honest? I was like, of course. Dear Lord. And he was like, I'm really disappointed. And I was like, in in what? <laughs> and he was like, in you. And I was like, oh. oh. I was like, what did I do? And he's like, well, you didn't really do anything. He said, can I be honest? He said, I I've been listening to the album for you know, since you released it on, on repeat, he said, it's like what I'm listening oh. to every single day. He yeah. said, I'm absolutely nerding out about it. And he said, and to me, and he's like, I've been transcribing your lines. I've Whoa. downloaded the free ebook. I'm doing the whole thing. By the way, if nobody's Whoa. downloaded the free ebook, go to scottsalbumbonus.com. You're about to get it there. Um, Whoa. so he's done all of that. Right. And he said, 
and I turn up today and I'm expecting to to see that player that right. I've just been listening to on the, on the album. And he said, and you're playing a P bass with like sponge under the strings and it's flat wounds. And oh. he was like, and and he was like, and and it just doesn't sound anything like what I've just heard on the album. Oh, he said, wow. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, it was. So it was, he wasn't disappointed in me because I was like playing shit or anything like that. It was really interesting because he was like really excited about coming to see Fusion me, Scott. Fusion Scott. <clears throat> and he turned up and he saw Scott with flat wounds and sponge under the string. And he was like, and he traveled a long way as well. He <laughs> wow. traveled two and a half hours to beat the gig. Whoa. And I was like, oh, I was like, I'm so sorry. And it was a great conversation, but it made me think about, yeah, I was it just, I'd never really thought about that ever I, I didn't really know dude that to is sort of like wild. process it I'm, I'm really glad that he came up and said it but it was interesting mm. that he was just like it it was the polar opposite of what i was expecting and and, he, mean, and he said it in a bit and he, before anybody freaks out in the comments he was like super respectful sure he was obviously a cool guy and i think that he said it because it was interesting i think that he was interested in it he was like oh yeah, I didn't expect to see this, what I saw tonight. He said the mm. music was killing, loved the music. He said the band was killing. He said the vibe was great. Mm. He said your bass playing was great. He said, I'm just disappointed I didn't get to see that person, that that mm. sound that I've been hearing for the last two weeks or three weeks or whatever it was. I mean, fair play. Like, oh, yeah. But also like another, you know, no no disrespect at all. Because, you know, that guy, that guy could also be listening here too. And I was, you know, I just want to be careful about, about what I say, but like, <laughs> but, you know, that kind of playing isn't, isn't the right thing for every gig, but maybe he was thinking he was going to come see sort of like a combo version of what you guys did on the record. And that that yeah. was sort of your, your lane of playing always, but you, yeah. you of course, hey man, like I could have played, I, I could have played like that on the gig. Uh, I mm. could have played like it. Hmm. I, yeah, I kind of left them. I left, and there was other people there to that mentioned the album that you know said, "Hey, love wow. the album. Oh, we've come down to check it out and stuff like that." They didn't say that, but I left thinking, "Oh shit! Did did they feel that as well?" Like, <laughs> right? Like is... they just weren't as honest, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> right? Like they weren't as honest as that guy. Exactly. You know, maybe they were feeling it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let me like let me put it. I'll, I'll like flip it to somebody else. What happens if I was watching Gary Willis mm. and and listening to Gary Willis's albums, and I was like watching all of the Gary Willis you know videos, and he's like shredding on the fretless and doing the Gary Willis thing, right? Mm. And I turn up to the gig, yeah. And he and he and he and he's got a Marcus Miller bass, and he and he slaps like Marcus Miller all night. Yeah, I and you're like, th- wait, who are you? <laughs> like total pattern, pattern interrupt. And I yeah. think that that is what happened. That's what uh. happened. He turned up expecting to hear what I did, and that's not going to happen on a P bass. And I've oh. never been in a situation where I actually had to sort of like think. And and I left that gig, and I was thinking, oh, have I let? like weirdly wandered into a new reality where I have to think before going to a gig, is there, is there expectations that I have to meet? Interesting. And, and, yeah. Right? It was super like, weird. like thinking yeah. more like an artist, right? Yeah. Okay. D- do it with you. Right. So people listen to you on Instagram. They're really yeah. buzzed about, you know, turning up and listening to Ian doing all of his amazing sounds and stuff like that. Mm. You rock up to the clinic. You've got no effects. 
<laughs> and you've got a pee, ba- pee base with flats right, with sponge right, under the bridge. Right, yeah. Uh, is anybody going to be disappointed? Tell yeah, you what, they are. Probably, They are right. going to be disappointed. Yeah. You know, as I was thinking about when you're telling this story, I've had, I haven't had someone say it directly, but I've had people say it indirectly, and you know where it's happened? On, um, I have done some wedding gigs, right, over the years, oh, where yeah. people, so, you know, in that zone, someone is like, whoa, are you the guy from... SBL and Instagram. And I'm like, yeah. And then they watch me play brown eyed girl with an appropriate technique (laughs) and sound. And it's totally a letdown, you know, or there'll be people that were a fan of my old rock band called down and above. And they'll see me, you know, um, and go, Oh, Oh, are you from, you know, and then I'm playing something totally different and yeah, yeah, it is. It gets you thinking, right? It really does get you thinking about like what to say yes to. And then when you say yes, how you're going to carry yourself to satisfy the expectations of the gig, but to also potentially satisfy the expectations of the people that have come to see you. Right? Yeah. So That's I want to just, yeah, give a quick shout out, quick shout out to, uh, to Mike, the guy that came down because it, um, and, and also being brave enough and open enough to actually say that. And it, mm, it was, you yeah. know, I took it in a great way. He delivered it in a great way. Wow. Uh, and it was great food for thought. It was a great representation of the podcast because he upfront said, look, I've been, li- I've listened to l- hundreds of hours of you guys talking <laughs> and I know what I'm about to say is going to be t- taken really well because it's interesting. Oh, right. And, I, and, and then did it. And I was like, oh, wow. And, and I said to him, I was like, I'm going to mention it on the pod because oh, it was, amazing. it was really interesting and made me feel like, oh yeah, maybe I need to. Well, obviously I do next time I'm going out for a gig. It's, it, there's maybe a little bit more responsibility than, mm. oh, I wonder what bass I'm going to play today. And just grabbing whatever sure. and just doing whatever. And I think oh, that interesting. it also made me think about the bands that I play in and whether they have any expectations as well that mm. I'm not actually really considering. I turn up with a P bass one day, I turn up with a Ken Smith for the next. Very different sounds. Mm, yeah, You know, sure. very different personalities that are right. going to play those instruments. And, and it's, yeah, interesting, interesting. Did stuff. it make you feel feel because you know what it makes me feel for you and i wonder if you have felt this did it make you feel at all like you wanted to play some of that music live yes yeah i i I think that you should like you and sai need to get uh uh that band together or a band, right? A a sustainable version of that band and play some shows man yeah, we should do. We should do. We've been offered some gigs over in LA, actually. I was like, I'm not sure. Like, maybe. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Bonkers, right? But, um, yeah, I, I, but I did come away from the conversation feeling like, oh, I have a responsibility to maybe a responsibility that I didn't have before. I'd released that album and, and I had a responsibility to um to the sound. Yeah. To the to do you know we've talked about finding your sound and yep. really I think that I've for the first time 
had accountability around that. It right. wasn't so, like I've said it out out loud, you know, but it's one thing saying out loud. There's another thing feeling accountable to other people. Yes. That are turning up and expecting that sound. And well, again, just to sort of like, you know, the Willis thing's funny to, to cite it, right? Totally. Willis, you, t- you turn up, you're expecting this fretless monster. Or can you thing, imagine playing and, and rock just, with a pick or something? You know? Yeah, he's playing rock with a pick or he's slapping. He's, yeah, oh, he's got yeah. a pee bass with flats on. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like it would be interesting. Right. It'd be interesting. But not what you expect. But I'm turning up. I, I, like when I go to wherever, you know, Pizza Hut or, you know, I'm going because I want a pizza. <laughs> yeah, like, right. You know, if I yeah. want to go to Five Guys for a burger, I'll right. go to Five Guys. Damn right. Same kind of deal, you know, yeah. like it's, yeah, it's, there's, it, I felt accountability to, um, to, to the sound. Well, and that, you know, yeah. Corey Wong talked about this thing of like before he was like funk 16th note rhythm guitar Corey Wong, he was doing all these different things and then someone told him what his sound was. It had to come externally. He was doing the funk thing, but then he was also playing big jazz box, like big, you know, George Benson-esque. He yeah. wanted to be like a jazz dude. And then Well, this people... is exactly the same as that, yeah. Yes. Basically, somebody came along and said, hey, that's your sound. That's what's, right. What's up? I didn't – that. what you did tonight, that wasn't your sound. I was yeah. playing the big box. I was like Corey Wong. Yes. And somebody turned up to watch and him said, do the funk. What? And so, and they turned up, and he's playing a big box jazz guitar. Yeah. I mean, shoo, 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 shoo. <laughs> yeah, it would be it would be so bizarre, right? I mean, it would be bizarre. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think too, you know, Danny Moe has talked about that too. You know, Danny Moe Morris. Um, if you yeah. guys don't know, uh, is I think is he? Well, he he teaches at Berkeley, fabulous bass player, and he does this big left hand muting thing where he plays a lot with his first finger on his left hand and uses his additional three fingers to mute in front of the note on flats and gets this beautiful. You know, oh. almost like R and B, Jamerson, uprighty, yeah. yeah, just brilliant, beautiful, short, fat notes. And he was doing that, you know, in an, in addition to other things on a gig. And somebody called it out, like a guy that was on the gig called him out and said, "That that thing that you're doing there, that's your sound." Like, like specifically. <laughs> You know, like that thing is your sound. And I do kind of feel like it comes from other people. People are like, oh man, do that Scott Divine thing. Oh man, you know. um, And uh, yeah, and it's worth paying attention to. It's fascinating. Interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. Anyway, um, thanks to Mike. Dude, yeah. we're gonna have to we're gonna have to bounce because we've got this interview with John Button. Yeah, we the do. John Button. The John and, Button. Uh, so we need to settle for that. Oh, by the way, if you want to check out Danny Moe as well, he's got courses in in the SBL membership. Go check him out. They're, he's they're awesome. He's got a full band playing with him. He talks about how he approaches muting and baseline creation, and it's really cool. And he's also playing this awesome. I think it's like a fifty nine original p bass on that it's not his yeah Yeah, it's one he borrowed from one of his students at berkeley and it killed dude it it was really light it was like seven (laughs) and a half eight pounds or something yeah it was beautiful he also does the mentors live streams for us on mondays um so be be on the lookout for that he does he teaches jamerson lines and classic r&b lines um and hey quick before we before we bounce i just also have to give a shout out to someone i met on a gig named b joy check this out scott i don't know if i told you about this but a guy walked up to me and said hey are you are you you know ian i said yes he said i listened to the pod and he said and check this out man 
I am a guitar player. I have zero interest in bass, zero. He's like, but I like to fall asleep to podcasts. And so <laughs> I thought what I want to do is I want to fall asleep to a bass podcast because there's nothing that could be more boring and sleep inducing than a bass <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and I said, oh, incredible. And he said, but then the problem is the opposite happened. I got totally hooked. I listen every week. I know exactly what's going on. And then my son Dash run up ran up because he was at the gig and said hey dad yeah. and this guy went oh my god is that dash <laughs> you oh, know and dad was like, has, he, like, oh, has he got a base yet has um, he got a base yet that's a great question b joy if you're out there do you have a base yet because the assimilation would then be complete <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The metamorphosis. But, <laughs> but you guys, you know, wherever we go, we hear um, you come up. Please just, you know, never hesitate to come up and say hi. When I was out in Seattle, I, I talked to a lot of you guys about uh, – about the podcast about SBL when I was in Germany for Guitar Summit, you came up and said hi. We really appreciate you listening. Um, there, Absolutely. We love doing this. We love – I mean I look forward to this podcast with Scott every single week and uh, we wouldn't do it in the same way if you guys weren't listening. So thank you. Thank you very much for checking it out. 100%. Yeah. yeah. We'll see you next time, guys. Take right. it easy. Bye. Take care, everybody.